Hey, and welcome to another episode of Podcraft. This is a show all about podcasting, from launching your show to monetization and everything in between. I'm Colin Gray, as always, joined by Matthew McLean. How are you doing, Matthew? Good morning. Very well, thank you. And yourself? Very well, very well. Suffering from a bit of uh, lack of vitamin D since we've uh, blocked up the window here. Yeah. (laughs) The studio has a a window right in front of us, which used to get some really nice light through, but we've blocked it up in an attempt to make our lighting for videos better, but... It just yes. means you're lit up in a kind of green tinge instead, <laughs> since the curtain's green. <laughs> it's a bit dingy outside today anyway, so... Again, anyway, yes, indeed. It's uh, sleety, cold and wet. A good day for recording a podcast. Uh, so this episode is all about highly produced podcasting. We're continuing our season on highly produced podcasting, which basically just means, if you're only joining us here, just means putting a bit more effort into your show, doesn't it? A bit more polish, a bit more um, a bit more work, a bit more production, as in more music, more cuts, more interviews, more voices, a lot more variety. Uh, the like that you've seen on the classics everyone always mentions, which are yeah, NPR, BBC. NPR, BBC. NPR style, BBC yes. style. They're the only people that can make high quality yes. audio programs. Indeed, indeed. This American Life, Serial, uh, all them kind of things. So yeah, anyway, we're going through that this season. And this season we're just about finished, but this one we want to go through outsourcing. So we've got two episodes to go, don't we? Well, actually three. We're going to do two full ones and then a kind of bonus content one. This one's all about outsourcing. So how you figure out whether you get other people in to help you with your highly produced podcasting, whether you start to build your own team around it, whether you take on all roles yourself, or whether, you know, whether it's just (laughs) you can't afford to, so you can't do it because actually there's so many roles in it. So we're going to go through all of those roles, aren't we? Um, And the different ways that you might be able to outsource from, you know, overseas outsourcing to building a team locally. Um, And in the final episode, we're going to go through all the tools, aren't we? All the tools we use to produce a highly produced podcast. So that'll finish up the season. Um, But this time around, we are sponsored by our very own Podcast Host Academy. Good sponsor. Great sponsor. How much are we paying ourselves? We are paying ourselves a grand total of zero pounds and zero pennies. Uh, But that doesn't reflect the quality of said sponsor, I would say, much. (laughs) uh, Can I get an affiliate link? No, you cannot. The coupon code Matthew. No, you cannot. Uh, The (laughs) Academy is our membership site where we can coach anyone to do highly produced podcasting or basic podcasting. If you want to start a show, if you're procrastinating and you need some help with getting started from coaching to courses to resources, all that stuff, then come and check out the Academy at thepodcasthost.com forward slash Academy and you'll see all the details there. All right. So highly produced podcasting, outsourcing, right? What, first of all, where, why might you want to outsource your highly produced podcasting, Matthew? Uh, the big one is like, you might not have the, the, the required skills. You might not feel you have like all of them, mm-hmm. all of the required skills. Cause there are many, obviously. Um, the other one is uh, time. Like it's a huge, yeah, yeah. huge time commitment. So if you're lacking in time, but have a bit of budget behind you, yeah, yeah, then yeah. it's a really good um, option as well. Yeah, and the, the the third reason that I could really think is that that you just want a really exceptional level of production. So you yeah. might be pretty competent in uh, creating content, creating and producing audio, but you just really want it to be like brilliant. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you want yeah. like professionals to do it. So. Yeah, yeah. The first, the first and the third day go together, don't they? Like if you're, I suppose there's various levels, isn't there? Like if you're a total beginner. 
and you don't really, you're not very good at audio production in general. You can take somebody on, you can outsource it, get some help. Even if it's like, um, you know, you want to learn, you, you take somebody on that actually is not just going to do it for you, but they're going to coach you through the process of it. Um, like we've done that with a couple of clients, haven't we? We've ended yeah. up um, producing their show for them, but taking a lot more time to actually show them this is how we did this, this is how we did that, talking them through it all. Yeah. And it works quite well, I think. Aye, they, they get the first few episodes produced, but they then really have the, the know-how to go on yeah, yeah. and do the rest themselves. Yeah, yeah, totally. And later episodes, they take a bigger role and take on more more of the jobs that we'll come on to. Because <laughs> we're going to talk about the jobs in highly produced podcasting, aren't we? So, yeah, you can start to take on more and more of them. Um, but yeah, even your latter one there, you want that exceptional level of production. Even once you're really good, you can hire somebody who is, you know, world-class give it that sort of final polish eh? and in fact I mean that's the one I, I if I was taking on somebody like that I would definitely want to learn from them it's not the kind of person you just want to throw money at is it you want to figure out exactly what makes them world class on the so, other side of that too if you are like really world class or really exceptional at something then there's a good argument for the, the fact that you don't need to be doing the more uh, basic jobs yeah, so true. for example yeah. like cutting up the audio looking at the script and just chopping bits up yeah that yeah. could be outsourced to someone who is going to charge not too much because it's quite basic work mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it frees you up to do what you're better at doing yeah totally so you do the the sort of strategy the planning the narration all of the kind of the high level knowledge work stuff around it well as you let them do the yeah the basic cutting up and the processing and stuff like that yeah like um Casey Whelan, the the writer and producer of the audio drama series We're Alive, yep. um, when he started he did everything himself but nowadays he has a team of editors that will do the voice cuts and things like yeah, that so yeah, yeah. He, he ends up with the, the final, well the, the almost final session that <laughs> he'll go in and just like really add a, a final layer of polish to yeah, yeah, but all yeah. the heavy lifting's already been done yes. because he basically he doesn't need to do that yeah. he's, he's got a system that you know people could do that for him yeah, so yeah yeah we've kind of been doing that like even so even though um you're you're great at producing audio about non-fiction stuff there's a show that i'm working on just now the converge challenge whereby i'm doing the narration then you're doing that kind of heavy lifting part and then i'm doing the polish on it but that's just because i know that topic isn't it yeah so even even when somebody does know it well they can just get in there and just flash through the sort of procedural bits so you can get help with things from people with those skills even if it's not necessarily the you know what you would ideally put them in yeah it's kind of yeah it's definitely there's all sorts of reasons why you might want to outsource anyway um or just get some help with it i mean we say outsource it has a kind of connotation doesn't it that you're always going to put it across to you know india or the philippines or something like that and uh and basically the principle is that you're wanting to get it really cheap (laughs) but that's not true i mean it's it's uh, like we're saying here it might be that actually you want to get much more high skills in there um and learn from them too so yeah there's a there's a whole range of different types of outsourcing so let's look at the team then what i mean what roles are there in this team like is it kind of like thinking of yourself as in the early days it's you are the team isn't it like you said there casey casey did it all in the early days you mm. did it all in the early days on your stuff same with me so we've all been that one person team in the past <laughs> so what were all the roles you had in the early days when you were 
pushing your audio dramas. Yeah, well, ju- just before I get to that, it's kind of, it reminds me of uh, that. Uh, you lent me a book back in the day. Um, it was about uh, running business. and oh, the it was the E-Myth, yeah. Yeah, that's a great one for and that. And it, it, was, it was the same premise. It was um, even if you were the sort of sole trader, the one-man yeah. band business, yeah. uh, it was thinking of yourself as like, well, you know, if this was a, a major company, if it was being franchised, what yeah, would yeah, roles yeah. be? Yeah. And over time, the idea is that you do, you know, you always have those roles and eventually people take those roles. Yeah, but in yeah. the early days, you do them all. Yeah, so yeah. I think but, this but, is... Yeah, but you're right. Sorry to interrupt that. It's worthwhile knowing those roles, even if you're not planning to outsource them anytime soon. It's worthwhile knowing all of the different roles that you do have, that you do do yourself, because it means that you can allocate your time between them. You can plan between them. You know, it's it's just, it helps you figure out exactly what you need to do day to day, knowing, <laughs> you know, the different jobs that you've got. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what what do you think of the roles as being in a highly produced podcast then? Um, I think one of the main ones, well, they're all really main ones, uh, if you break <laughs> it down, but creative yeah. director, uh, uh-huh. the person who comes up with the ideas, uh, has an ear for good content, an eye yeah. for identifying good content, is able to, to shape the narrative and the storylines yeah, yeah. and always remains mindful of the big picture. So although there's like loads of tiny wee jobs to be doing, always keeping in mind like where is this going? What is it achieving? Is this yeah, yeah. going in the direction? Is this setting out to achieve what I want to achieve with yeah, it? Yeah. It, th- there's a few different names for this, isn't it? Like um, I think in... In TV, am I right in thinking a producer? That's what a producer does in TV and films and stuff like that. Like it's kind of, yeah, the top level. It's Mm -hmm. kind of the manager almost that keeps, uh, yeah, the vision of the project in mind. And then there was, um, you know, the Hot Pod newsletter that Nick uh, Qua runs. Mm -hmm. He had, there was a feature in there recently. There was somebody, I can't remember the person that did it, but somebody put together uh, a spreadsheet of all of the editors that they knew. And I was, I think of an editor being somebody who does go in there and just does the kind of technical stuff. Like they literally just chop up, like we're talking about you, you could outsource somebody that's just going to chop it up based on a script. But his, his idea or this person's idea of an editor was people who were basically what you're talking about there, like with the ideas, um, They've got ideas for sort of the top level of it. It's more actually, it was more about that second thing you said, the identifying good content. So being able to see the narr- the narrative in a, in a kind of mess of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you know is this I mean? interesting? Exactly, yeah, yeah. So if they, you put together a 20 minute draft of something um, and you know there's some good stuff in there, but you've lost context because like you're so involved in it. An editor comes in and they listen to it and they say, right, this bit here, two minutes 30 to four minutes 40, that is the gold. We need to expand that out over 10 minutes. We can cut this bit down because it's just not that interesting. They can sort of see the the gold bits against the not so good bits. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's interesting that, that I, I hadn't thought of an editor. Apparently that's a term for somebody like this as well. Yeah. So that that was a spread, it was interesting. It was a spreadsheet of like 30, 40 people that fit that uh, that description, all the different shows that they worked on. So, hey, there's a way to outsource. There's a bunch of people there. I, I should think, link to that in the show notes. <laughs> I think in this day and age as well, and and sort of that type of media job that, although like specialising is good, also so has been really versatile. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's sometimes not enough to say like you know I am an audio producer yeah. because you've got to be a bit more than that. Yeah, um, yeah. Even if it's not your main speciality, you've You've got to be a bit of a jack of all trades with yeah, stuff like this, yeah. especially if you freelance, because yeah. it's, you know, most people that they're 
their door isn't being kicked down for work and they've kind of got to be flexible. Yeah, indeed. Aye. So is that is that another role then, the audio producer? Is that a different thing? Yeah, so your audio producer is also your recordist, if you like. So, um, you know, you could be an absolute wizard at editing audio, but if you're being handed a ton of really badly recorded source material with the best will in the world, uh, you're not going to be able to to make it brilliant you're not yeah, going to be able yeah. to polish it you're only going to be repairing stuff so yeah, yeah. i think your audio producer has to to go out and know you know be very mindful of like is this audio good is it clear is mm. it free from distortion mm. because when you go back and sit down and load it into the daw um it's going to make your life easier yeah. it's going to be quicker yeah um and then we, we move on to you know so- sitting down to yeah, so I was going to say that they, so the audio producer then, I, so that that is a person that, do you think of the people that know, that go out and grab the material as the same people that have to come back and then edit it as well? Yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't necessarily have to be, mm-hmm. but I think, um, you know, trying to be sensible about this and, and, and keep the yeah. team, even if it is a team, keep it kind of small. Yeah, um, but is that different? That's different. Is that different buckets of knowledge? So uh, a recordist, uh, which what you called it there, they have to know the kit, don't they? Inside out, like yeah. you have to know the mics, you have to know the the recorders, you need to know your environments, all that kind of stuff. Whereas a produce, uh, what I always thought of as a producer would be somebody that is in their door. They know their, they know Audi- Adobe Audition or you know um, Pro Tools or whatever inside out. I guess, like, I've I've never really come across anyone who is good at one and doesn't know anything about yeah, the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just kind of, there's yeah. such an overlap there. Uh, yeah. No, I think you're right. I'm just kind of, um, I'm just uh, curious um, because there's definitely, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot in both, isn't there? There's, there's a lot to know in both yeah, sides of things. Yeah, the hardware, the software. Yeah. Um, and yeah, over time it, it begins to merge together. But yeah, in the yeah. start, it's one of those things that's, uh, there's so much to learn. Yeah, there absolutely. always is, even even when you've been doing it for years. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, so you know, somebody who who can process, cut, mix all the audio on the computer, yeah, yeah. and basically create your polished, finished product. Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, so they've got the uh, that's the material grabbed. That's you know, um, content captured at a really high quality making sure you're getting it in there and it's all chopped up and stuff but what about the content itself like actually gathering the content it's, yeah you you could know tons about audio about recording audio mm-hmm. but does that necessarily mean you're the one to go and do the interviews as in ask the questions um so a content gatherer an interviewer yeah yeah Traveling to meet and interview guests, somebody who knows how to interview and what content to seek out of these conversations. Yeah, yeah. You've got to have good people skills because you want the person you're speaking to to be completely at ease. You want them to be comfortable. Um, you, you know, you can't just go and be really. Um, if if you're basically quite uncomfortable, you're not going to get good <laughs> uh, content out of the people you're you're yeah, speaking to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and these interviews uh, might not always be in person as well, so yeah. it, it could be online via things like Skype. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this is the bit that people always underestimate for me. Like, you know, it's why it's why the vast majority of people end up doing interview shows. Or they, maybe it's changed a little bit these days, but it was certainly a couple of years ago because they think of it as an easy way to create good content, don't they? Yeah. All you need to do is find some clever people, some interesting people, and I'll talk to them, and I don't have to do any preparation. But it's... <clears throat> it's absolute nonsense, isn't it? Because like being a, 
a good interviewer is is hard to find. It's a hard skill to learn, and it's very very noticeable when you see it, isn't it? Like it, I, I've been doing it more recently, actually watching good talk shows. Not like cheesy crap talk shows like Jeremy Kyle or whatever, but like good ones where people are properly delving into like people's lives and stuff. And it's it's when you're looking for it, there's a real there's an art, there's a craft there about how to draw people out of themselves. So so yeah, you're right. Knowing it's probably quite unlikely in kind of professional uh media production that your interviewer will know the the kit inside out or the editing inside out that's a different skill isn't it it's a different person Mm -hmm. that's doing that presenting but then is there is there a different role for a a presenter as well is that a different thing like would you have your presenters on tv for example going off and doing the the information gathering or is that a different thing yeah i mean a a presenter isn't necessarily going to be a great interviewer because you could you could almost compare it to being like a voiceover. So yeah, yeah, just yeah. because you're a voiceover doesn't mean yeah. you know anything about interviewing. You can perform, but you can't actually talk yeah. to people. <laughs> so yeah. you might have a great voice and be really good at presenting, your, uh, presenting a script, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, reading it without sound, making it sound like you're reading. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, maybe you are a good interviewer, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going yeah, to be. Yeah. So. so you've worked with a lot of presenters sending off uh, requests for voiceovers and all that kind of thing. Um, is that, are they a hard person to find or is that are loads of people out there trying to get into presenting? You kind of imagine that. <laughs> There's lots of people out there um, doing voice acting and voiceovers. Um, I've always kept my pool of people that I use very small because yeah. it's... Um, you want to know that folk are reliable, so you find good people and you kind of stick with them. Yeah, and you know they've got a good kit and a good uh, environment to record in as well. Exactly. If, if you're doing this remotely, again, we could have um, Morgan Freeman doing some voice work for us, but if he's recording in a bathroom with a blue snowball, then we probably wouldn't want him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's um, if if it's remote, it all comes down to that too. You yeah, know, are, yeah. do they know anything about recording audio? Aye, um, do they have good kit? Yeah, yeah. Okay, last one, uh, researcher. This is the person that actually finds the information for you, isn't it? Or do they... See, this is, this is something that we thought about for a new show recently. Well, for Hostile Wars partly, but actually I was thinking about other projects and whether we could employ somebody to basically put together the concept for a show. So they actually wouldn't have anything to do with recording, editing, presenting, interviewing around like that, but it's more somebody who has a skill in putting together a concept and finding all the background information and then passing over a brief to maybe that creative director or the producer. Yeah, I think um, we're a researcher as well. It's it's similar to the the creative director in that they've got to have a, We've got to be able to identify like what's relevant and what's not yeah, because yeah. there's no point in sending over like tons of stuff because <laughs> then you're just giving the whoever's uh, requested it yeah. like too much work. Yeah, the so. goal is not to research every possible thing. It's to narrow things down to the, the most interesting, the most relevant, the most uh, engaging yeah. elements. Yeah, um, yeah. You've got to be somebody who isn't too easily distracted because... Yeah. When you're when you're on Google, when you're on Wikipedia, you know how easy it is to go down rabbit holes. Yeah, suddenly yeah. you're looking at something that's nothing to do with what you're researching. So, Aye, yeah. Um, I mean, the researcher role. If you're if you're the person who's the the whole team, that's basically your. It, 
that's a, this, I suppose this kind of brings out why you need to think about all these roles because this is another part that interviewers often miss out. They miss out the fact that you need to become good at interviewing and they miss out the fact that you need to actually put a bit of effort into finding out something about this person. Not just about the backstories either or about the kind of the questions you should ask them but even things like um, knowing their social media handles and their website and what product they've got out just now so that you can basically help these people make the most of their uh, you know the, their experience on your show which is what helps them then help you, you help promote you or get other people on onto interview on your show as well so yeah there's a lot of elements to the research and i think that a lot of people I, the thing that always winds me up you know how people sometimes say i don't research for my interviews because uh i like to go in fresh i like to go in with the same mindset as my listener <laughs> yeah so i'll ask the out. same same questions yeah <laughs> That's a total cop-out. It's just laziness. <laughs> it's nonsense. Because it just means you miss loads of opportunities. Um, the very, very, very best people can get away with that. But not many, I think. I hate the idea that not having knowledge is good. Yeah. Like, th- yeah. it's kind Ignorance of um, is, the society is we live in nowadays. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I prefer not to know this. Yes. <laughs> um, it, uh, another thing about being a researcher is being able to present your information clearly so that everyone can interpret it. You don't want to be... Yeah, yeah so if you're part of a larger team. I, I mean, you, you want the end product to be accessible to anyone, so... In theory, so so should the um, the research. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one that I've I've not added, one that I've not added on there that I should have was um, writer as well because okay, uh, yeah, somebody's course, got yeah. to write the script. Yeah, yeah uh, which absolutely. is quite important. <laughs> um, and the thing about writing a script as well is I think it's important to liaise with your presenter yeah, if yeah. they're different people. Yeah, because uh, you know how you write and how they talk might be yeah. different. So. That's, that's another really unique skill, isn't it? Writing for speech. Yeah. Um, and especially writing for somebody else's speech, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is difficult. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, what are we talking about here? You've got, how many roles did we have there? Was that like one, two, three, four, so five plus writer. So six in total, at least. And to be honest, there's probably other sort of subtleties of roles in there too that yeah. can be even more. Um, so, I mean, is it about figuring out um, figuring out your time, figuring out your confidence in each area—not just that, but like how much how much you enjoy each area as well. I'm talking about like how to find people to take on, whether you need to outsource any of it or how you start to outsource it. What would you think about in terms of where to start? I'd think about like, are there any of these jobs that I hate, and I hate <laughs> so them that's that the first much one. <laughs> that this like is going to spoil the project? Yeah. So yeah. if you can get past that, and you can get somebody to to do this job yes. then great yeah and even if you don't even if there's not parts you hate uh, there'll be parts you li- you like less <laughs> parts you're less confident in um I, I don't know is there is there any kind of superman out there that can do it all and likes it all like what do you decide then is that what, what do you think is the easiest thing to find somebody around maybe that's a good place to start if actually yeah you've not sickened yourself of anything yet is it think audio editor well. do you think sorry go on I was just uh, going to say, I think as well, even if you are the um, the superhuman uh, jack of all trades, you still don't, you know, it's still going to take you a long time to do it all. Yeah. Um, yeah even yeah. if you are great at it. In fact, often with things like audio production, the, the better you get, the longer it takes you to do stuff. <laughs> it's one of yeah. the things where you become more of a perfectionist. So yes. yeah. um, don't think, you know, I'll get better at this, I'll get quicker. It's often 
it's often the opposite. You yeah. go the you go the other way. Yeah. yeah um yeah. so you know, even if you love it all and are good at it all, yeah. do you want to get this done? Yeah. This year? I feel like I feel like you could you could capture back the most time by first finding somebody who can do decent audio engineering. You know, somebody who's good with their, their DAW, they can take an audio, they can make it sound great, they can put together those cuts and mixes and stuff for you. So maybe that's a good place to start. Um and then I feel like almost the next one would be the content gatherer because if you can afford the funds or the share of the project or whatever we'll kind of come on to how you incentivize these people later won't we but if you can afford whatever it will take to get somebody involved that can get out there and can interview people and can get that content because you know like often with highly produced podcasts and you want to be in person because that's what gets you the highest quality content um if you're putting that much effort in you want the highest quality source material which means being in person which means travel which means you know being away from home all that kind of stuff so if you can afford to get somebody who's decent at that to do a lot of that then you might be able to get a lot further you can do a lot more of the planning the production the narration all that kind of stuff so is that a good second stage, maybe? Yeah, I would. I would say, like from my own personal point of view, um, I'd be looking to to ship out the presenter role. Yeah, um, because you hate presenting. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 it's, I don't enjoy it um, as much as I enjoy other things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. you know, there are a lot of really, really good uh, people out there yeah, who yeah. want to want to do that. You know, they love that yeah, yeah, stuff. They, yeah. They're good at it. So yeah, yeah. Um, and getting a good presenter, mm. it's it's taking your show to that next level it makes a big difference doesn't it when you've got somebody that just <clears throat> they can just do that like they just sound great on the mic they can engage the listener so well they can just come across really well yeah it's, that's a big level of polish because again you know you think you're maybe saving money by doing it yourself and if you're not the best presenter you're coming out of your your sound booth with like an hour-long WAV file full of mistakes. If you're the editor too, you've got to sit down and chop that up. <laughs> you could get a, a real presenter yeah. and you're just going to get these like one-take efforts yeah. and most of them are fine. And it's yeah. just like, it's so much easier. And right. It's so much less frustrating. Yeah, translate all the way through. Okay, right. Uh, so let's go on to how do you build, how do you build this team? How do you find the people to, to actually fill these roles? Um Actually, before we jump into that, let's do our quick... Uh, so I mentioned this episode sponsored by the Podcast Host Academy. Uh, basically, yeah, the Academy, to tell them a bit about it. How can it help people highly produce podcasts, Matthew? Yeah, well, through the um, through the community forum yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah. the live sessions, and mm-hmm. we've got an we've got an audio production course, Edit and Audacity, yeah, yeah. which is a you know it's a good enough DEW yeah, yeah. to to do your projects and. Um, so there's all sorts of ways you can kind of get help. Yeah, there's plenty of plenty of people have produced a good, highly produced podcast and uh, good old Audacity, which is a, a free tool. Um, and yeah, we've got a full course in there. What, 20, 30 lessons you've put together to take people up to expert level on yeah. Audacity. Um, and yeah, we, I mean, we love this, this sort of type of podcasting. It's not, it's time consuming. It's not something we can do as often as we'd like, but... Um, we do it for clients we do it for hostile worlds you still do it for all your audio drama so actually mm-hmm. to be fair we do do it as often as we like yeah <laughs> like more often than we like um, so if you're thinking about putting together a really highly produced show like this then we're happy to help you on the live coaching sessions we do every two weeks you can get um, in there for an hour chat to me and Matthew uh, and ask all the questions you need uh, in the forum too uh, we've got a few people in there don't we we've got we should mention Connor Connor does a really highly produced podcast doesn't he which is called 
words to that effect. Um, so Connor produces this. He's really highly produced, a really polished show. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we've got we've even got members of the community that do a lot of this stuff too that are happy to help. Uh, so yeah, the academy, thepodcasthost.com forward slash academy. And of course, it's for uh, beginner podcasters right up to that highly produced element. So yeah, courses, resources, live coaching and uh, the community all to help you get uh, your skills upgraded. Get your great show out there. Brand new course in there too. Indeed. Yeah, the growth course. We should talk about it. Yeah, 30 days of growth. So a little task every single day for 30 days to uh, to grow your show, to grow your audience, isn't it? Something like 5, 10, 15 minutes for each task. So something you can work through and uh, guarantee. Well, no, can't guarantee. But we we almost guarantee. We can we can <laughs> hedge our bets and say you yeah. will probably have grown your audience. You're not doing yourself any harm. Exactly. Yeah, it won't, be, it won't make your case worse. <laughs> Okay, right. So how do we build this team? Um, right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, well, let's start with the obvious, like somebody like us. So we produce stuff for clients, don't we? So you can outsource the entire process to uh, a company, an agency, a team that does this already. That's one option, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, reached out to, to just one company uh, that have a team, you know, a lot of great freelancers out there, but of course they're, they're their one-man bands yeah, uh, if yeah. something goes wrong if something happens to them or if they you know just quit yeah um yeah. Y- your project could kind of fall down yeah but uh, if you reach out to a company like ourselves or there are other production companies out there mm-hmm. and uh, just speak to them and ask for a price give them as much details as you possibly can about what you want to achieve yeah, yeah. and you know they'll get back to you or we'll get back to you with, with maybe some follow-up questions get on skype talk about it a bit and just put a, put a quote together mm-hmm. so yeah. um these these options are more expensive yeah. by their nature but Way you know more, they yeah. they they simplify the process as well. Yeah, and I mean, it's not necessarily what we'd... I mean, we kind of... We try and teach people how to do it themselves on here, don't we? But we're always there to help if we need yeah. it, if people need it. But th- this is definitely something that's possible to learn yourself. But obviously, that that solution is there if you want it. Um, do we want to go into cost? Give a, a ballpark? You could probably do it based on some projects we've done in the past, eh? Yeah. Like, um, so uh, yeah, there's one we're working on right now, which is sort of four episodes, really highly produced. <clears throat> it is, uh, it included going out and interviewing four people, uh, pretty in depth, planning out, um, a set of questions for those people, planning out the entire show, the entire narrative over four episodes, then going back, scripting, narrating, putting together that show, putting in the music, sourcing music, all that kind of stuff. So basically everything we've talked about over this series, creating four episodes for this company. Um, and that was in the region of, uh, I can't remember the exact quote for that one now, actually, but it was somewhere in the region of three to four thousand pounds. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's that's how much it costs. Yeah. A thousand pounds an episode, basically, mm-hmm. in the region of that. Um, but I mean, that's taken us, I don't know, at least a couple of days. No, I think I think I budgeted about three days per episode for us. Yeah. So like half a day to go and get the interviews, half a day for scripting and narration, then a good day for all the editing around production and uh, sort of getting all the 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 audio beds and putting it all together and then, you know, the next set of editing where you go back and you do some more narration and all that kind of stuff, then, you know, there's a lot involved there. So there was at least 3 days per episode allocated to that. Um but yeah, I hope that gives people an idea. That's kind of the 
the region you're talking about. Certainly with us, that's what we can charge for that type of production. Um, and there'll be other agencies and uh, above and below that, but <laughs> yeah, that's the ballpark. Generally, for a handful of these episodes, you're talking four figures, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, okay, presuming you don't want to outsource it, you either either you want to do it yourself, you want to learn how to do it yourself, or uh, you don't have the budget to pay somebody that much money, what's, uh, what's the next option? So you want to manually build a team around you, um, and this could be, you know, friends, acquaintances, freelancers, um, yeah. just going out and, you know, it's, it's going to be cheaper, but it could take a bit longer to, to set it up. And it's risky as well because um, yeah. you get one weak link in there and, you know, that can break the chain. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, but, you know, it can be done. You know, it, it depends. You could put a brilliant team together. Yeah, uh, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you get a great interview content, great research, great planning, and then suddenly a, a badly set up recorder means that the content's all crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Um so, I mean, finding these people, like, I suppose the first stop is just actually, you know, a lot of teams form just a group of friends, isn't it? A group yeah. of friends that have an interest in a project. You're at uni together, you've got a project in that way, and you just get to know each other. And then you come out of uni and suddenly you're, you think, oh, let's start a company about this. Let's let's have a go at actually producing some professional stuff. Um, or even like clubs, I suppose. Eh? You can go along and you can find societies or clubs or meetups on meetup.com or similar types of things where people are interested in this. What are some of the the websites you've used in the past for finding freelancers? Yeah, we, so the best ones that I've used in the past, the one that I use most often is Upwork. So that started out as Odesk, now it's Upwork. Uh, and they've got a great range of people. Um, they've got great tools for checking references, checking the amount of hours people have done. I mean, the, the biggest trouble with these is that you have, you can find somebody, you can spend a few days training them up or passing on the stuff and then they just disappear. It's happened to me a lot of times, but I've got a lot better these days at um, looking at the right stats. So like, for example, I always, I only ever take somebody on an Upwork that's, uh, that's done more than, I think I, I think I filter for a thousand plus hours. Mm-hmm. So they're obviously invested in that platform. This yeah. is the work they do. It's not just a part-time gig or something like that. This is, this is what they do. So they're more likely to take it seriously when they work with you. Um, then you've got the star ratings. So filter it for like four or four and a half up out of five. So mm-hmm. you're making sure that these people get good ratings. Um, more than that, look at the actual written ratings as well. So anyway, Upwork has got some really good tools for that, for actually filtering people and finding good folk. Um, I had, I think I mentioned Freelancer when we were chatting about this before, didn't I? But I think Freelancer.com has been subsumed into somewhere else. Could be wrong in that, actually. Check out Freelancer.com anyway, and it'll probably redirect you to wherever they've ended up. But uh, certainly Upwork is the main one of them I use. I think there's Fiverr, I suppose, isn't there? Yeah, Fiverr. (laughs) It never costs a Fiverr. (laughs) Yeah. And I've got a thing about Fiverr. I see it as like this um, race to the bottom Hmm. Um, they, they had they did an advert a while back. I don't know if you remember it, and it was uh, glorifying the fact that you know when you're on there uh, marketing your services, and it was basically it was a photo of a lady, and it was like you, you don't sleep, you don't eat, you drink coffee, <laughs> you, you work twenty five hours a day, you're yeah. a go getter, and I was like, what <laughs> what kind of message is that? Like, work yourself into the grave for pennies, and yeah. and this is brilliant. This is. Uh, <laughs> 
That is an example to set for our youth. Yeah. Yeah, so don't go to Fiverr. Race to the bottom. <laughs> Fact, do you know what? The the one thing Fiverr is good for is re- is the small, simple, quick jobs. Like, um, create me a little sting for my show. I want, I want a little 30 second sting put together for this one purpose. And I just want, I just want one person to take care of that because I just don't have time to do it just now. So for really specific little well-defined jobs that would only cost you sort of in the low region anyway, Fiverr can be good for that, I think. I think is what the, some of the dangers I've heard of Fiverr is you just don't want to spend time slagging Fiverr off. But in some <laughs> ways I do. Um, it's like, there's people on there selling stuff that isn't theirs, basically. Um, I've heard the podcast yeah. cover art um, being ripped off and sold on yeah, there. So yeah. you've got to be careful of Aye. what you buy on there, whether it's audio or whatever. When you're paying $20 for something, yeah. And then, like, you might you might save money in what you pay, but then you're paranoia and going to research <laughs> and try and find out if this exists anywhere else. So you've, yeah. you've got to weigh it up. It, yeah. may, it might be worth the risk. It might not be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Depends on you. <laughs> cool. I mean, there's the there's the obvious places to advertise to try and find some relevant people as well, like uh, Gumtree. So stick an advert in Gumtree looking for somebody with the, the relevant skills. Um, I mean, yeah, jobs. Craig, Craigslist. Uh, yeah, so Gumtree, Craigslist, uh, Facebook. Facebook's got loads of relevant online communities. So like uh, uh, audio producers community or uh, the researchers community, the presenters community, whatever it is, you can put a wee ad up in there. Um, and even locally, you shouldn't forget like local adverts too. Like go to a university or a college, put an advert up there, uh, find some really good people for pretty low cost, uh, really enthusiastic students, um, and even the local papers as well. I mean, it's the kind of thing. It's a, it's an exciting, fun job to do. So you know, you can get away with finding hobbyists that are into this stuff, mm-hmm. that are really interested in it, that can be really good, that are willing to work for not very much because yeah. because it's something they find fun anyway. Someone they would do. Like, it's like when we talk about people getting paid to podcast, people are often willing to get paid anything to podcast because they'd be doing it for free anyway. Yeah. So yeah, a few different places there. Um, talking about pay, <laughs> there's a few yeah. different ways to pay people, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, the, the obvious one being money. Yes. Um, and if you have it, then brilliant. The world's yeah. your oyster. Yeah. Um, but not many people do. So uh, you, you maybe have to explore uh, other avenues. Yeah. Like um, just, uh, you know, dishing out shares in the ownership of the project mm-hmm. um, and allowing creative input, which I'd like to think you would give anyway yeah, to your totally. team members. But um yeah, basically getting something down and right and getting an agreement between everyone that we all yeah. have a percentage of this and mm-hmm. however well it does, we own this percentage of the project yeah. and, and yeah. any future income. Yeah, and I think you can do that in a few ways. So, that, well, a couple of ways in particular. There's there's like, if you're a group of friends, you're all going in together to do this, then you all have an equal share, obviously. Like if we did a podcast together, we came up with the idea together, 50-50, it would be, we'd shared ownership that way. If it is your project though, like you've put together a plan, you've put together a creative idea, you've you've even started planning out the episodes, all that kind of stuff, then it is possible to take people on with like a a, a lower share. So like, so I'm going to give 10% to my audio producer um, if I can find somebody that's willing to come in and put the effort in for that amount. Uh, it can be harder, obviously, because it's quite a low percentage and it's not guaranteed or anything like that. But it's definitely something we've done, shared out income on projects that we've worked on in the past. So it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> you can also, I mean, uh, 
this isn't necessarily easy to do, especially if you're if you're very new to this. But um, <clears throat> going out there and and getting a sponsor or an investor, basically, yeah, up front. Um, and someone who's just going to pay for the, yeah. the series up front. But yeah. um, yeah. if you don't already have a portfolio, that's not the easiest thing to do. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, you need to have someone to show them, really, don't you? Bit of a guarantee of the quality, at least. Alrighty. Uh, is there a couple of things we could say at the end just to tie things up around um, <clears throat> just some tips around managing it, really? Yeah, SOPs. Uh, standard <laughs> standard operating procedures. Never knew what that meant until a few years ago. I see it on various <laughs> until you saw, uh, There's a lot in that. In, Colin, um, what's a SOP? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, yeah. There's a bit in that in uh, what you call it a uh, e-myth that you mentioned already. That's a yeah. that's a big part of that. It's putting together those standard operating procedures every time you do something more than once. So every everything you do in producing a podcast, if you do it more than once, then create a standard operating procedure, which is basically a checklist. It's just do this, 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 and then this, and put in loads of detail. So like if you normalize your show every single time put how you do it like literally the steps here's what I normalize it to the desk bills that kind of stuff um and then that means that it's really easy to outsource because you just hand them that list do yeah. this here's the instructions <laughs> aye it's not left to uh, guess what yes exactly or their own judgment which as good as people are often you want to direct them anyway because if you're working with a team of people then those inconsistencies mm-hmm. start to creep in with yeah. lower quality so yeah Aye. There's even, I mean, so you've got those, then there's just like the communication side of things, isn't there? Like actually, actually talking to each other, updating on where everybody is in the project, using tools like uh, we use Slack uh, and Trello a lot for these. Yeah. Trello is kind of our task list, isn't it? That's where we put our tasks and Slack is where we have our general conversations so that we've got a record of things that were decided. Yeah. And um, things like deadlines and uh, sprints as well. So like you're, you're, big deadlines and then you're shorter like what are we doing this week what's yeah, you know yeah. by the end of the week what do we want done yes. just making sure you're all moving forward basically yeah yeah, yeah absolutely aye yeah i mean uh, it comes down to really making a plan and sticking to it doesn't it it's like you know you're you're saying here's our deadline at the end of the day here's a three-month deadline to get the first episode out here's the shorter deadline so when we want the material gathered by when we want the research gathered by that kind of thing and actually having that in one place so trello for us that's where we put it and then talking about it in one place slack so that if somebody on the team's not involved in that conversation they can still look back and see the results of it um i think that's what makes these things run smoothly it's making sure it's all quite standardized makes it sound boring <laughs> takes the creative this is what people always moan about it's like this is a creative process i don't want to tie it down to standard operating procedures and <laughs> processes like well okay but you're gonna end up with a pile of crap so <laughs> <laughs> yeah just with, with things like this everything depends on everything else yeah, yeah, so totally. if one thing falls behind it just like jams yeah. everything yeah so totally that's why as much as you know creative people artistic people yeah you want to just do your thing but yeah you kind of need this stuff yeah there's that what's the saying there's something in um uh, with discipline comes creativity because or with discipline comes freedom because like if you're if you have a process for everything if you have a system for everything if you do the same thing every time it frees up your brain to be more creative with the real the stuff you can be creative with Mm -hmm. which is the you know the narrative the content the 
you know, the, the overall vision of the project. Because otherwise you're worrying about like, oh, I've not done this or this needs done. Yeah, like that, sh- yeah. that should be taken care of Aye, itself to an exactly. extent. Yeah, totally. Okay, I hope that was useful. I hope that was, uh, that actually went a fair bit longer than we thought it would, but um, there's a lot in there, isn't there? There's a lot of roles in this this process. And even if you do it yourself, I think it's worthwhile, like we said, it's worthwhile thinking about them all individually so that you know exactly what you've got to do. You can plan it out well, especially if it's your first project of this type. Yeah. So, yeah. So next time, we, we kind of started on the tools there, didn't we? We mentioned Slack and Trello, but I think the next episode on this um, is going to be a full kind of tools and resources episode. So all of the different bits of software, the different tools, different things, the different, you know, um, bits and pieces that make up this process. We're going to talk about that. Um, it's always fun talking about the gadgets and things like that. So that should be good. That'll that'll tie up the series. Uh, I think it's, it's nearly Christmas, isn't it? Not to date the episode, but we're going to have a wee interlude Christmas episode next week, I believe. Uh, not to uh, put a, a... Yeah, anyway, that's what we're going to do. So the, the following episode will be the final one of this season, uh, which will be the tools and resources one. Uh, but thank you again for joining us in this one. Thank you for co-hosting as always, Matthew. Yeah, thank you. This was mostly your uh, planning as well, so good work on the detail. Let me just go nearly an hour of content. <laughs> <laughs> need, a, need a better research. Yes, indeed. Uh, just finish up by saying again, this is sponsored by the Podcast Host Academy, thepodcasthost.com forward slash academy. And if you want more help in figuring out whether highly produced podcasting is for you or in figuring out the process, the equipment, the anything about it, or you're just starting out and you want to just know how to basically podcast monetization to promotion to just launching the blooming thing then get in touch thepodcasthost.com forward slash academy otherwise we'll see you next week thanks for spending time with us again and we'll talk to you then